Hello world and welcome to another episode of LJ Presents. Today's guest is Ulrich Bursell, a returning guest. This time, we're talking about his first feature film, The Alternate. Basically, the highs, the lows of actually getting his first feature film made. I can't wait for you guys to hear about it. Lots to talk about, so let's get on with it. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you, Mr. Ulrich Bursell. what happens but for some odd reason it's literally been whenever i needed to do whatever i was going to do an interview like someone's doing lawn work like literally like any other day it's like no one's doing anything it's a you know bright and sunny day and everybody's just chilling and there's no noise <laughs> so yeah it's oh, crazy that's funny <laughs> yeah um so when timothy and i used to do the show uh on uh like together years ago now i guess uh we used to record on tuesday mornings that was like our main recording time and Mm -hmm. you know that's the day in the morning that uh the you know people come and do like leaf blowing and just you know general maintenance around the building so it was like every time we would record it was like leaf blowing it was terrible um (laughs) but uh but yeah, you know, we don't record on Tuesdays anymore, so that's uh, not no longer a problem. Yeah, funny. yeah, your new, uh, yeah, your new co-host, and you know, making movies as hard is doing really well. I got a lot of catching up to do on it because, oh, well, yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> that's what happens. It's funny, like when when the the pandemic started, I actually started listening to less podcasts because um, my wife works from home with me, and so like podcasts were just something that I would kind of do by myself and listen to by myself and listen to in the car and listen to Mm -hmm. like, you know, doing the dishes alone and stuff. But like now that she's home most of the time, it's like, yeah, we do dishes together. And when she's home working from home, like we have music on and we don't have podcasts on and it's just, it's been very different. So like, I'm kind of behind on all my podcasts, which is interesting. And I just stopped listening to a bunch of them completely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. I know it's weird. Like for like, like the pandemic has literally shifted like everything because, you know, I'm not driving around as much with my job. As a matter of fact, I used to go into the city a lot. Now I've got, I've got it to where, you know, for my day job, I'm just traveling to, uh, I'm traveling locally. So it's either Berkeley, Oakland, and that's it. So I'm not able to just run through podcasts, you know, because I'm in the car in traffic. Like I can usually get through two, you know, at least and, you know, be all up to date or whatever. But yeah, now that I'm, um, now that I'm just local, it's literally like, I'll be lucky enough if I can get through one. And then sometimes I find myself just sitting in the car you know, <laughs> listening before I get out, you know, to go inside, to go home, <laughs> you know, it's nuts. Yeah. 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 So what else is going on uh, with, yeah, what's going on with, with the podcast? How's, how's new co-host working out? She, you know, I know she's awesome and all that and yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I know we were, we were co-hosts for a while, you know, and then you started your own podcast and then, you know, we haven't done an episode in a long time, but um, yeah. But yeah, but yeah, now we have Liz Manischel as our full-time co-host on Making Movies is Hard. And yeah, she's great. Um, Liz is awesome. You know, it's it's a very different vibe than I think any of my other co-hosts because she's, um, well, in LA, 
she's working on her third feature right now and she also has a family um you know has a kid i mean i know you have a kid too and everything yeah. but it's like a young baby's different than having an you know a, a more an older kid you know yeah um and it's just so the dynamic is different and so she she definitely has less time than um most of my other co-hosts ever did you know um so it's like trying to fit in to her schedule like when we can record you know because she also has a full-time job in addition to working on her third feature and having you know being a mom and all this so it, it's mm-hmm. it's a lot um but we've uh you know we've got some good processes in place and um we record on sundays now which is kind of different it's nice i guess in a way because it's like you know just first thing sunday morning we just do an episode every week and um yeah we're we're also doing different um kinds of guests than we had in the past i guess which is mm-hmm. this is fun which it's funny because like everybody assumes that the guests came with the producers that we got but that's not how it worked at all the guests are kind of our own doing and the producers have been doing a lot and providing a lot of different things but it, they haven't really been involved with um finding the guests or booking the guests at all which was always the deal you know that was like what they had said when they approached us with this was like you know we'll handle editing we'll handle um you know trying to grow the show and better the brand and Mm -hmm. you know um work on sponsorship stuff and then also um you know like kind of help with social media and I, i don't even know if it was like help or if it was take over but they've definitely taken over social media, which is great. I <laughs> yeah, mean, yeah. I'm just not that much of a social media person. I mean, I am like, I'm pretty good at Facebook, you know, like I, um, you know, I'm pretty active on there, but like, you know, Twitter and Instagram, I'm just not as active. And so to have, um, you know, this team that's sort of pushing it. And I mean, they're really more Instagram and Facebook is kind of where they do most of their work, but they do a little bit of Twitter here and there. Um, but it's just been really nice. And I mean, working with a team of people on your thing that you created is kind of special, you know? And I mean, it's just like making a movie, but like, it, it's not just like making a movie, but it's like when you have a team around your movie or a team around your podcast, it's just like a much better experience than when you're doing it on your own. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely great. Like having a team, you know, so the only thing you really have to do is get the guests. But, you know, how, how did you how did you end up, uh, you know, getting getting producers for your show? Yeah, that that's a million dollar question or the, well, it's not <laughs> really a million dollar question. It's more like a zero dollar question because we're not making any money or anything. But uh, right. it did take take off a lot of the responsibilities of the show for me. So I was putting my own money into it for a while just because like in the old days, like Timothy and I would edit everything together. Like we would just split weeks, but since he left, like, you know, I couldn't ask, like, it's hard enough to get someone to co-host an episode, but to get someone to also edit an episode was like kind of a big ask. And I know that you edited at least one or two episodes and a couple other uh, co-host edited episodes, but, but for the most part, co-hosts didn't edit episodes. And that was part of the deal with Liz is that she didn't, she, she can't edit. That's just not, was not part of her bandwidth. So, um, you know, I've been hiring editors for like probably a year or so, um, not for every episode, but for like, you know, the, the ones I couldn't handle on my own, basically. And so for them to take that burden off my shoulders or off our shoulders was huge. Um, but yeah, how did I find them? Um, <laughs> basically, <laughs> so Liz and I did an episode at the Napa Valley Film Festival. Um, I didn't actually go because I was mm-hmm. in like a week away from shooting the alternate. So I, I just couldn't go. But um, 
Liz was there for her film Speed of Life, and we interviewed a filmmaker, uh, Ryan Galen, who uh, had a movie um, about um, stuttering, I believe. Um, gosh, yeah. I sound like such a jerk, but yeah, I think it's a stuttering film. I can't remember. Oh, my, my something stutter. Oh gosh, I should look it up right now. Just to you know, this is like my boss now, basically. Um, <laughs> my, it's all good. Stutter. There's so much stuff that's going on now. Like I. I can't even like remember the last film I saw, which by the way, yeah, I really can't remember the last film I saw in a movie theater. I'm gonna have to really think about that. <laughs> Shit, man. My like, beautiful stutter. That's the name. Okay. Of it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so just to get back to my story and then yeah, yeah. to talk about movies and stuff, but, um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was an interview with, with Ryan and I think one of his producers, um, I can't remember the producer's name right now, but uh, they were on, they came in and talked about the show for a half hour. And then that was their introduction to making movies is hard. And then Ryan also owns a production company um, called Believe Media, which also owns a podcasting network called Bloodstream Media. And they focus on um, rare disease podcasts, but they're trying to break into other types of podcasts of, around entertainment as well, because, you know, they're also filmmakers and they have their production company. So it's like they want to expand into another market that like kind of is, you know, parallel to them, mm-hmm. excuse me, basically, you know? So, um, so yeah, so basically we released the episode, then Ryan checked out the podcast and was like really impressed. And they had been growing their network with other podcasts and mm-hmm. we're mostly starting from scratch with new podcasters basically um or maybe not new podcasters but you know like a new show on their network and um they just really liked making movies this hard they were really impressed with the longevity um and the amount of audience that we had built over time without like putting any money into it you know um yeah and so he just really liked it and was really impressed and i think what liz was saying is that they were really impressed with the commitment to it and that like this thing had been going for so long on its own. And that was like just a testament to know that, that like that we are reliable as um, you know, as a podcast, like we're, we're not going to let them down. We're not going to screw them over. We're not going to be inconsistent. Like we're going to actually pull our weight, you know? And, um, and yeah, so they, they signed on and we're doing a year with them basically. Uh, and it's just like, take it from there, you know, a year with an option to extend, I guess is, is the way it is. Um, but we're really trying to grow it and make it to become like, not just reach more people and not just be a better show, but also, um, hopefully become a show that will be profitable and have sponsors and, um, be able to actually, you know, uh, I wouldn't say like pay the bills <laughs> ever, but, or, or maybe one day, but like, hey, at don't, least, don't you know, sure, man. Yeah, well, just but but like, you know, be a thing that, you know, brings in some income of some kind, you know. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, we'll see how it goes. I mean, you know, you look at Alex Ferrari, who has his podcasting empire and he's he's made it become a profitable thing. That's like his whole business is, um, you know, indie film hustle. That's like how he Mm -hmm. pays his bills and pays his mortgage and everything. So, you know, I I think if he can do it on his own, you know, making it a full-time job. I feel like, you know, with Liz and I doing it as like, you know, filmmaking is our main thing. And then we have our day jobs and then we do the podcast. I think like with this team of people behind us, like we really can have the same kind of success, you know, but we'll see. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and that's the thing, you know, uh, making movies is hard. It's been around for quite some time. You know, like I remember another filmmaker telling me about about your show like years ago. And yeah, I've gotten a lot of great information, you know, from you guys. And then, you know, when we finally met and did our first uh, couple of projects together, and you know, still listening to the show, what have you? I mean, yeah, it just and just to just to know that you know you've got a team now uh, putting you know helping to put your show together, you know, and the only reason that that has happened is because you know you mentioned a lot of key things: longevity, consistency, and you know just wanting you know to do better with each show, and that's what you know, and that's what uh you know attracts you know other people to want to you know help out and so you know yeah that just tells me you know keep doing your show jeff so <laughs> awesome <laughs> well, when when did we meet did we meet after the podcast had already existed or did we meet before the podcast uh well i oh, know that no. it was no go ahead i think it was because of the podcast slightly because yeah like it <sighs> It was because of the podcast, and then it was a random tweet that you sent out because you were looking for, for one actors. more, yeah, yeah, actors. Uh, but it was it through the podcast Twitter, or was it through my own Twitter? Do you remember? I don't remember. It was, I, I don't remember. I think yeah, it was I, like your own. It, you know, it might have been through making movies as hard because I don't think I really knew you. So yeah, you didn't know me. Yeah. It was. It was. It could have been. I remember what happened. I remember even talking about it on the show because it was so awesome. Like I put this tweet out, and then I think it was like within an hour or so. Yeah, you like hit me up back on Twitter, and then within an hour of that, we were like talking on the phone, and then like that afternoon, you came in on a, on audition for the role, and then you know, knocked everybody completely out of the water and got the part, you know? Um, yeah. In the, uh, yeah. the, 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 you know, not that to be talked about too about. much project. Uh, what, oh, what's it? yeah. It's called the gray area now, but what was it called before? Necessary evil. Was what yeah. It was called. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. But it's, it's so funny. Like, <laughs> so, so much has come out of that, that show that like, you know, you know, never really, like I wouldn't, if I hadn't been a part of it, like I wouldn't have had these inner interactions or relationships even like Liz Anderson was like exactly. my replacement director basically for that thing. And, uh, you know, we, 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 I think we, dude, yes, we, so we met because of that show. That was how we met. And then, yeah. um, we crossed paths after that, but then we kind of, that's how our, like, you know, filmmaking friendship started was through this thing. And then, you know, years later, like she had her own issues with it, too. It was like basically kind of a longer version of what I had gone through. Basically the same thing. But but much more painful. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, I I hate it. I hated hearing every moment of it because it was like when when you had moved on and Liz was, you know, helming the project she had, you know, asked me what my schedule was like. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. This sucks, but all right, I'll, yeah, sure. This is my schedule. And then the shooting plans changed. And then I had to go on a work, you know, a a work vacation, you know, a work. I was traveling for work at that time. And like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't change it. Plus I was never told. And so it just turned into be, uh, it just turned into a shit show basically. So, 
Yeah. But the cool thing. <laughs> Did you work on the second one or not? I can't remember. You always no. told me. Okay. No, 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 no. I, no, I, I didn't. But then funny enough, uh, the blessing behind that was, you know, the fact that I had gotten you and Liz, you know, together, you know, to, to, to like what Kvetch and then also, you know, you have another filmmaker, you know, around. She's like a badass casting director. Oh yeah. Now, so you well, know, shout she, out to Liz. And she like, yeah, she co-hosted, um, you know, a, a, a few episodes of the show and she um, has been like somebody that I can like bounce ideas off of. I think she gave me feedback on something at one point, but she's just a really great filmmaker and a talented actor too. And oh, yeah. just like, you know, a great, a great person. And so it was really, it's really awesome that I got connected with her through this, you know, and that like, you know, kind of, it was also what bolt, what was the, basically the beginning, like the, the pre precursor to the rage and like kind of why the rage existed was this project. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of ways, like I'm, and I'm really proud of the rage, obviously. And I, I thought that, you know, turned out really great. And so it's sort of like, yeah, I, I don't know. It's sort of funny that like these things that are so terrible and painful and tough at the time end up being um, blessings in disguise, you know, much. Yeah. Later. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy about that. And, you know, I was I was just thinking that uh that this is your cop out. Do you remember how Kevin Smith had his ordeal dealing with um, with Die Hard actor with uh, Bruce Willis? Oh, Bruce Willis. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, this is your cop out. So yeah, except like I never got to uh, release Necessary <laughs> Evil, and I still have my, our finished piece that um, you know me and um, you know Paul Nordine, our our cinematographer, who like, gosh, was he the like? No, he didn't bring me into it, but we met through that project, and then he brought yeah. me into other projects from that experience because we yeah. had a good time working together. I love to yeah. work with Paul again. He's he's a great guy. Uh, but yeah, uh, just meeting him that time, I was like, dude, I, I like working with you, and I really dig, you know, the fact that you know you've got the director, and then you have the DP, and then as like I really, I've really been able to on the actor side, you know, like communicate with, like with you, the director, and then like for like acting and emoting or whatever, and then with the DP, you know, he he or she is trying to like get you to look good or, you know, get the moment to, I should say getting the moment to look good so that, you know, my skills shine. So communicating with him as well as you. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I dig it. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy, man. It's funny. I, I feel like I've known you for a lot longer. Cause that was like probably what 2016 or so um, when we met, but I feel like I'm like, yeah. I feel like our relationship is before the podcast, but yeah, it's definitely. Like, but it's not. <laughs> Yeah, it well, it pretty much stemmed from that because of the podcast. That's how we met, and yeah. then yeah, no, it's funny, and it's yeah, like, just, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 I'm just saying, and you know, because of the podcast, that's how we met, and then it just kind of grew, you know, from you know from there, you know, so right, so yeah, yeah. It, it's funny, like people always talk about, like, oh, you know, these are the things that come from my podcast, and like I listen to the the Just Shoot It guys in L.A., Warren and Matt, and they they've talked about how they've got jobs through um, their podcast and. You know, I don't know if I've necessarily really even gotten a job from the podcast or anything. I mean, kind of in a way, like Timothy and I worked together a bunch. And that was sort of because 
of our relationship in the podcast, but it's also because of our relationship as, as me producing projects that he directed, you know, so it's like not just the podcast, you know, but, uh, mm-hmm. but it is funny, like all the things that have come from the podcast, like meeting you, for example, being connected to it. It's like, yeah, it's sort of, sort of an amazing blessing that I, that, that all the things that have come from just, you know, talking about filmmaking on, uh, into a microphone. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? It's it's nuts. So, you know, before we get to The Alternate, which is your first feature film, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, getting the technology to go to warp speed, you know what I mean? Like, you know, sooner or later, you know, someone's going to make first contact, right? But, you know, you've, you've done a lot of shorts, but, you know, I went back, you know, to your website, and I've seen, Oh, you know, I've seen Brother, of course, you know, we work together on The Rage, but, you know, I've been seeing like all the little bits that you've done before you started on your feature. And I've noticed, okay, well, this was like a couple of months before he started on his first feature. So I kind of guess, okay, well, this is the, this is, I'm doing these little bits to show that I actually know what the hell I'm doing to undertake, you know, this big monumental feat you know what i mean so right yeah so uh i think it was like what zombie versus drone oh was, yeah. uh yeah basically any opportunity to do anything narrative connected it would, would mm-hmm. be something i would say yes to you know and yeah i, I don't know i mean I, i've gotten some criticism from friends of mine about the amount of short projects that i have done you know like basically some people have, have said that if I had just done Strange Thing and then had just gone straight into the alternate from Strange Thing and not made Brother and not made The Rage and not made Zombie vs. Drone and all these other things that I've done that like, mm-hmm. you know, A, like I probably would have saved a lot of money. Like Zombie vs. Drone, I, I was kind of hired on and I, I mean, it wasn't paid, but I didn't have to pay anything to, to mm-hmm. make that that piece. But like, mm-hmm. you know, my own money w- into Brother, like half of into The Rage and then... um gosh was there another one there might have been another one in there too but you know it's like i could have saved that money that i spent on those projects and and put it into the alternate and maybe done it a little earlier potentially um maybe but it's like i don't know i learn so much from each project that i do and each thing that i get to be a part of and so i feel like I wouldn't really be the director I am to make the alternate if I hadn't have done Brother and the Rage and Zombie vs. Drone and you right. know, any of the other projects that I did. So it's sort of like feels like it's all kind of important into getting to the point. But it, it's not like people saw Brother and were like, oh, my God, I want to invest in you because of Brother. I mean maybe kind of a little bit like I know there was one investor on the alternate who did like watch all my stuff. And that was kind of what like gave him confidence in me, you know, Mm -hmm. was like seeing strange things, seeing brothers, seeing the rage. And he -hmm. constantly says like, Oh, I'm never worried about the suspense moments in the alternate. Like I know you're going to do those well because of all your previous work, you know? And it was kind of nice. It was like kind of, I guess, instrumental in a way to have that kind of confidence um, in order for that investor to to take a chance, you know. Um, well, yeah, that's the trick, right? It's it's always the chicken or the egg, you know, with with filmmaking, right? So, but your path was you had a an arsenal of short films, you know, to give that particular investor the confidence to know that his investment is going to work out well, and he genu- and he genuinely 
likes your work. So, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I get it. Like the money that you could have spent, you know, on the alternate, you know, instead you spent on, you know, X amount of short films. But if you didn't work on those short films, you wouldn't have had, you know, whether it was the confidence or more knowledge or what have you to get the alternate, you know, made. But even still, like you, you were even critiqued on the budget of the alternate because, you know, there were, you know, you had lots of people saying, oh, well, you need like millions of dollars to get this made. Am I right? Or, right. right. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Uh, what, so I, I did this thing probably in 2017 where I pitched the movie to about, um, gosh, this was probably before I went to AFM. So maybe this was even 2016, but at, at some point I went on to, um, it's like roadmap productions or roadmap pictures and there's uh, roadmap writers that's what it is roadmap writers and then stage mm-hmm. three two they both do these um executive pitch, pitch session sessions so you do like you pay like 25 bucks or or 20 bucks or 30 bucks and you get like a 10 minute slot to pitch to an executive at a company um so i did like 20 of those for the alternate um and that was a lot of the feedback that I got from some of those people was that, Oh, what's your budget range? Oh, like you're not going to be able to make a movie (laughs) that's good within this genre at that budget range, you know? Um, Like, yeah, they're like all they were, they were all saying like minimum a million million to two was sort of what everyone was saying. And then I even pitched at a company in person in Los Angeles, right around the AFM time. And that was sort of the same thing they said. They were like, Oh yeah, we're looking for projects um, in the range of one hundred thousand to five hundred thousand, and they were basically saying that the alternate, based off my pitch, would not be doable within that budget range. Um, and I don't really want to say what the budget of the alternate was, but let's say it was around that range, basically. Um, so you know, it definitely is doable, <laughs> you know, um, and um, maybe a little bit more than that, but you know, around that that basically it would, it didn't need to be a million dollar project, but, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. People are going to tell, you no all the time. Like, and they're always going to say like, you can't do something, but I think it's also, they, they just, you know, they don't necessarily know what you can do. Right. And like what you can bring to the table and what, what kind of, um, you know, favors you can get. So like we made our budget, our movie for what we had, but like, you know, my producer, Jeff Allard says like, Oh, this is easy. Like an 800, thousand to a million dollar looking movie like no problem like this looks as good or better than movies in that budget range so and it's because we were able to to get so many favors and so much help from the bay area community um in order to make it happen even not not even just the bay area community but like the los angeles community too we got gear donations from um light gear in los angeles and lots of support from people just yeah either la or bay area so i don't know i'm just really grateful and you know lucky that it all kind of came together the way it did. So I know you're not going to tell me how much the movie cost, but uh, how much did the movie cost to make? <laughs> well, I can't, I can't say as you said, but um, I would just say it's somewhere between 500,000 and 2 million say in that range. Okay. And uh, you know, it's, it's funny how you can't say, well, it's just funny how, you know, like that is like the, the ongoing mystery of, of film budgets because <laughs> you eventually want to get the film sold. And once someone knows that it costs X amount of dollars, they, you know, want to make sure they get a deal or something like that. But right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, well, is, uh, well when it sells, then you can say well, after the sale happens, then it's fine. And that's what I've been like. A lot of the guests on the show late, lately have been saying their budgets because, you know, once the movie's released, they don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> you know? That's true. That's true. It's like, it, yeah. Done. When it's old. in film festivals, it's like you can't really say anything, you know. Right. Right. But, you know, that's and so how I guess in essence, how was the first filmmaking experience? You know, like, you know, you were on seed and spark. You were raising the money that way. Uh, you, you had a lot of people, you know, come in, you know, at the you know final hour to either lend money or to lend support. Right. I mean, you had like a lot of great people on board and the times that I was on set, you know, it felt like it was, I mean, me uh, looking in, it looked like a well-oiled machine, but, you know, but first time filmmaker, you know, I, I know there were some gaffes, some mistakes, but everybody still stayed on board. And that's, and that's just a testament to you as a filmmaker and also, you know, to you just getting it done. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, well, when you have Hilton leading the logistical charge, you know, things do uh, do run well, you know, for the most part. I mean, we had our issues, especially like you were on there the day one. We had, um, you know, we went over on our first day, which was really not a good way to start the production. Um, and I think that that was stressful. But um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's, this is kind of like a grand question to answer because you're sort of t talking about like what was the filmmaking experience like going from, you know, raising the money, you know, through Seed and Spark and through other channels and then going on set to make your movie. And, um, you know, it was really a challenge. I, I mean, just to be honest, like, and, and like I've talked to other filmmakers recently who talk about their experiences not being that challenging, but like, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was hard. And I mean, it, it's really kind of crazy because in the pre-production phase, it's kind of like all these little minor victories and like minor wins. And they actually feel more like major wins at the time, but they're really kind of like just small steps in the right direction. Like I would say the first major like win for us was um, getting Jeff Allard on board as our producer. Like mm -hmm. that happened probably uh, like, I guess a, maybe two years into fundraising or maybe a year, like a full year, maybe like, I think like I, I've been raising money probably since 2016, but like when I first got like any of my real money was probably like January of 2017. And then by the end mm -hmm. of that, that um, year before AFM, I had raised like a substantial chunk, you know, not like, I wouldn't even say like 20% of the budget or anything, but like probably more like 5% or 10% or something in that, in that realm, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and maybe, yeah, probably more like five. And that, then I got Jeff on board and it was like, okay, like the way that he looked at my 5%, which was a lot of money to me was like that we hadn't raised any money basically <laughs> was the way that he had, like had viewed it. And then like, Oh, that's cute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then we went and started pitching together in 2018 and we did like 10 to 12 investor pitches um, as a team. And then we walked away from that um, probably in the summer of uh, that year, like basically have, having tripled roughly tripled what we had had roughly. 
So mm-hmm. then it seemed like, okay, now we have a substantial chunk, but like even that, like it wasn't half. And so to Jeff, it still wasn't like a real amount of money. Like I think to Jeff, it's like, if you have half, then it's like something to work with and you can, you know, he can help find the rest and it's kind of easier to bring in investors. Like once you already have like a, like a nice chunk of it, but, um, but basically, you know, so at the end of 2018, like things were looking good. Like we had had a big, a bunch of successes that year, but it was still like, Oh, what are we going to do? So that's when we decided to make the, um, the proof of concept trailer. And so we did that in September and that was sort of like, okay, well, we're going to do this and this is going to be the thing that we're going to use to, um, to help raise money um, the next year and then get the, the, the thing made. And so we finished that probably February of, um, you know, 2019. And so then I, I think that's when I was able to start sending it to people around then, even though the sound wasn't final, final, but it was final enough where I could send it to somebody and then they could be impressed by it, you know? And so that was sort of the next step of getting the next bit of money in. But like basically by June of uh, 2019, that was sort of when we wanted to like, you know, have a big bunch more of the money secured in order to shoot in the fall. Like we didn't really have that much more. Like we had like a little bit more basically. And it wasn't, it wasn't enough where it was like, okay, we have a huge amount. And then we were like, all right, well, what are we going to do now? It's like, okay, well, we have to, we're going to do a crowdfunding campaign because that's our only option. And we have to just see how that works out. And we expect to get this much. And then the thought process was like, okay, if we can get that much more with the crowdfunding, then as we're preparing for the crowdfunding, and then as we do the crowdfunding, it's going to bring more money in, which was totally true and totally happened. And it was like this thing where like we would pitch people on being investors and then they would say, Oh, I don't really want to be an investor. It's like, Oh, but we throw a thousand dollars into the crowdfunding campaign. It's like, sure. No problem. (laughs) So like in the prep for the crowdfunding, like I was able to secure like probably, I think we had like $7,000 uh, pre confirmed for the crowdfunding campaign before we launched, which was like, you know, not what you really need to have. Like you really want to have more like uh half, I think is really what you want. And, but we had like, yeah, maybe like between, somewhere between five and seven confirmed. And so, and then the, the idea was like, okay, let's put, let's get to 20% as quick as we can. And so we're like, we're going to put all we can right up front. So I think it was like 3,500 or something that we were, we put in within the first week. Um, but that didn't get us to, to 20%, which was like our goal for the first like three to five days. Um, right. and then I was, but I wanted to keep some of that on the back end. And then we did lose actually. So it was really more like five cause we did lose some of the commitments. So anyways, it was like five basically. And so then we used some of that other at the end. But what I'm trying to say is like the two hand punch of crowdfunding and investing at the same time and kind of going after both those avenues was really helpful in bringing in more, more support. And then of course, like, you know, there was a couple of moments like a month before production where we didn't have the money and it was looking grim. And it was like, basically Jeff telling me like, okay, if you don't get to this dollar amount by this time, we're not going to be able to make the movie. And there was, you know, and then there was a lot of people who were like, maybe I'm in, maybe I'm out. I'm not sure. Give me a week. Give me two weeks to decide. And then it was like one weekend. Like I basically needed to get this certain large amount of money 
like, let's say it was the same amount that I had raised in the very beginning, like over eight months. Like I had to get that in a weekend and I, I, I pulled it, I pulled it out of the hat. Basically it's, I didn't put it on credit card. I was able to find this one investor who we were like kind of friend of the family. Mm-hmm. We, my mom was like really uncomfortable approaching them. They thought it was going to be a no for sure. And then it ended up being a yes. And my mom was really worried about offending this person. And, you know, they, they were like, you know, family member basically. And they came through and it was a shock to everybody, but it was like, that was what saved the movie. This one person saying yes. And then that was when we were able to be like, okay, we were not pushing. And like, everybody was like, super pissed at me like at the idea that we could push after everyone had already held the dates and we had all these commitments and and bear in mind we'd already pushed twice so we were originally going to do in october we had to push that then we were going to do in november we had to push that and then it was like december and then it was like if you can't do december like i'm gonna fucking kill you basically (laughs) like from a lot of my department heads like you you push twice or or whatever you, you know you can't do it again and uh and luckily we were able to to make it happen and the thing I would never do again, ever again, and this is something that like a lot of filmmakers have already learned, but like don't ever do a crowdfunding campaign so close to shooting. It is a disaster. It's just <laughs> such a bad idea. Like you want to do your crowdfunding campaign a good six months, at least six months before production, because there's so much to do for production. There's so much to do for the crowdfunding campaign. It's so hard to do both at the same time. So it's like basically as soon as the crowdfunding campaign was finished, like I was like pretty much like ignoring those people like and i hate that i that's the way it was but like i just have like hardly done any crowdfunding updates since we finished because it was so um there was just so much to do and i was so swamped and like reshoots and all this other stuff or or not reshoots but pickups you know and yeah so i've only done like two like seed and spark updates since we finished like uh the the campaign basically yeah so i don't know yeah but all things considered though i mean you had you you were in production like you'd gotten the money from crowdfunding you pretty much went right into production right then yeah then what we've finished like the film was wrapped in january right yeah, like, well, so we, we had to add some days. So we actually, the last day we shot, I think, was December 23rd, the day before Christmas Eve, which was, like, a humongous ask from the crew. And I'm really grateful for everyone who, who came out and were able to do it. Some people couldn't. Some people had plane tickets home. So we had to replace a couple people. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I'm really grateful for those who came. And then that meant that I was working Christmas Eve. Cause I had to like um, help my uh, producer, like kind of clear out um, the set from his garage. And so I was working to like 4 PM or something on Christmas Eve until we were like done with everything that we had to do. <laughs> it was, it was nuts. Um, and then we came back in January, like late January, I think the 20th or so. so I don't even remember. It was somewhere, somewhere like that. And we did yeah, the last, the last January. two days, yeah. um, which, which was great. And then like from there, I, you know, foolishly, I had committed to another project um, that I was a producer on. So then, you know, while we were doing the pickups for that other movie, I was pre pre production for this second movie, uh, Red Snow. And so then I left for that. I think in like uh, you know late mid mid February, and I got back from March. And then as soon as I got back from Red Snow, the pandemic hit. And so like exactly, it's, yeah. it's kind of nuts the way this has all worked out. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and that's the crazy thing, you know, like I was saying, I was like, well, you know, there's so many, you know, crazy events that happen, 
you know, and then January you finish one, then, you know, you were doing a red snow and then next thing you know, the apocalypse happens and then, you know, no one's doing anything. So, so yeah. yeah. So, so I say all that to say that, you know, because you were pretty much done, everybody was done. That's how you were able to edit the film because where else were you going to go? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I had a vacation planned to New York, which we had to cancel obviously. Um, so we didn't do that. And then, yeah, you know, I, I usually work, right? <laughs> like I usually have jobs to do and I've only had maybe three gigs um, since March and maybe one more like editing thing, but like really hardly anything. So I've been just free to like edit the movie every day. And that's why it's done when I actually wanted it to be done. It's not done, done, but like we we're trying to get it finished um, for uh, film festivals in the fall, you know, so we're trying to have uh, the finalizing happen in August. So by the end of July, be completely picture wrapped. And right now we're like, we're on schedule for that, which was the main goal. But I realize now that if I had lived my normal life and if I had gotten the jobs I normally get, there's no way that this would be possible. <laughs> right, right. So again, another blessing in disguise. Right. Which is terrible to say because the pandemic has been so terrible and tough on everybody. And like, you know, I've been on, uh, been on unemployment and my unemployment's about to run out. Um, and so like, I'm sort of in a freak out mode right now. And, and it doesn't like, I was kind of thinking this whole time until recently that like in the summer, late summer, early fall, like we'll be able to get back to like a semblance of what we had before. Like I'll be able to get like a handful of freelance gigs and pay the bills and put food on the table. But it doesn't really seem like it's going in the direction. It kind of feels like we might be going to another lockdown in the fall, um, which is terrifying. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to find a full-time job now. Cause, <laughs> cause I, ca I can't, I can't like, I can't rely on the freelance thing. And um, you know, there's rumors of another movie that I might be involved with uh, on the production side, but like, yeah, if things go the way it is, like we're not gonna be able to make a movie in in November, you know. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. Anyways, I, I guess I'm just a little nervous, yeah. um, and I think it's like smart to be looking for something concrete at this time. You know, uh, you know, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, all things considered, I've pretty much, uh, I think, 2020 is a wrap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, so I mean, between. The pandemic, uh, here I go again, the pandemic, the government, the social upheaval that's happening on right. all fronts. This is, uh, if anything, I think this is a moment where we all just kind of have to uh, go inward, you know, if I can get somewhat spiritual, what have you, and just kind of get, you know, rally around the people, you know, that are, that are with you and that are behind you and all that stuff and kind of like figure out. You know, where where can you find your gratitude? Where can you find like your sources of either strength, inspiration? And then, you know, that way, you know, you can you can find your path to be able to, you know, make these moments work, whether it's getting a full time job or whether it's, you know, luckily right. uh, unemployment gets, you know, extended. You know, all those things, because, you know, what we're finding now is that. You know, municipal 
heads are like, let's reopen everything. Not nope, here comes another spike, you know, of COVID-19. No one's really wearing masks. And it's it's just getting it's turning into a farce, really. Right. You know, and then what happens to, you know, the artist. Right. You know, so, you know, as an artist, you know, we're sitting here waiting for us to be able to, like, go outside. You know, well, not just go outside, but like to be able to shoot again, to be able to create again. You know, and so you can't really do that. You can't really do, you can do it with one or two people. It's not the best way to do it, but it could happen. But, you know, you want to be able to do it right, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm still an optimistic person, just I can't help it, you know? So I, I do see a way that we can be making movies like come maybe the fall but definitely like early next year, but it's just not going to look the way it did. It's going to look a little different, you know, and it's probably going to cost a little bit more money um, and just a little bit more time, but I don't think it's impossible. Um, You know, and, and like I've seen people do shoots um, since the pandemic in the last few weeks and like with crews of 25, with crews of 15, with crews of 10, you know, and, I think that that kind of world is sort of what we're going to be looking at. And like, gratefully, that's sort of the world I live in. Like those are sort of the crew sizes I'm used to is like, you know, as low as three or even one and, you know, up to like, you know, whatever, 50 plus. But, you know, most of the stuff I do is in that like five to 25 range. And I kind of feel like that's what we're going to be seeing for a while, even for these in, in for an, an indie film that would to be, were to be made in the, in the near future. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of like, you got to embrace that style. Like, like we made red snow with a crew of 11 and a cast of like total probably six. But like, I think the biggest day we had with cast was like probably four main cast on set. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's like what 20, 15 people. I think our biggest day was 17 people. It's like, that's pretty good. You know, like you can, you can get, you can get a movie done like, in that way. And it's definitely a different type of set than the alternate was and a different type of scope. But, um, but I think you could do a lot with that, with that size. So I don't know. I'm, I'm again, just foolishly optimist, uh, optimistic about the future. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, we, we have to be, I mean, Lord knows, like if we don't, we end up, you know, in a corner sucking our thumbs, wishing it all away. But uh, I want I want to ask you about how did you land uh, Jeffrey Allard as your as your producer? But before I do that, I just wanted to say you had mentioned H.J. Uh, Hilton, you know, your, oh, yeah. your amazing uh, assistant director, like we didn't really give his title. So and it's it's crazy because any project that, you know, I get asked to be on or that I, I land or book or what have you, you know, I, I look across and I'm like, ah, there's Hilton. Of course, of course he's there. Cause you know, <laughs> he's Hilton. <laughs> he, he works on almost ev- everything. It seems um, he's just like constantly working in, in low, of course the, the shoot that I heard about that had 25 people on it. Of course, Hilton was one of those 25, um, you know, and he's already up on all the pandemic safety uh, precautions and, you know, knows what, what to do and how to get it done. And yeah, that's just, that's just who that guy is. You know, he's just, and then also just one of the most positive, um, you know, wonderful people to, to work with too, on top of all his expertise and, and skills, you know, so. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, but, uh, but yeah, how did I get Jeffrey Allard on the movie? That's a good question. Um, how did I do that? <laughs> um, it was, it was through a recommendation from my, uh, lawyer, Jeffrey Rush, who, uh, Jeffrey Rush, is that right? You know George Rush. <laughs> George, Sorry, George. Uh, yeah. My lawyer, George Rush, um, who I had been introduced to, I don't even remember who introduced me to George Rush, but like I was basically in the fledgling days of the alternate when I was trying to figure out how to make this movie, like probably 2015 or 2016. Um, I was like, you know, kind of trying to figure out how to raise money. And and then someone told me, Oh, you, you definitely need to like have an entertainment lawyer and set up an LLC and do all those things in order to bring in money. And I was like, oh, okay. So then I got George's number and I called him and I asked him a bunch of questions. And then I was like, so George, like, when should I hire you? And he's like, when you've raised any kind of money, then call me, you know, that was like his answer, um, which could be taken as like, you know, don't call me until you can pay me. Or it could be just taken as like, that's the time that you need a lawyer is when you actually have funds, you know, and that, right. and that's totally true. Um, and so I hired George, I think in, um, the summer of 2017 and I formed my LLC cause I had raised, um, you know, not a ton of money, but like enough where it, it was like that beginning of that 5% basically or whatever. Um, right, right. And so, yeah, I hired him and then like I was asking him for advice and like, you know, for producers and he was in the middle of producing, um, uh, sorry to bother you at the time. So like, I don't know if he had just was about to go into production on that. I think he was about to go into production on, on sorry to bother you when I hired him as my lawyer. Um, and so I was asking him like, who should I like hire as a producer? And I was kind of like hoping like maybe he'd be interested in producing the movie, but like it was very clear that he wasn't, um, and then he said, Jeffrey Allard, like the one person I know for this type of movie, like horror sci-fi is Jeff. Like he's the guy in this area who is suited for this kind of project. And I, and I was like, yeah, I'd love an introduction. He's like, sure. Yeah, I'll connect you. Months go by, months go by, nothing. I have another meeting with, with George, um, you know, like, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to AFM, like looking for some more advice, like, you know, still looking for a producer. And he's like, yeah, Jeffrey Allard. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I meant to set you up. I'll, I'll connect you. I'll connect you. And so I can't remember when he sent the email, but I do remember when I got back from AFM after having pitched the movie to like 25 different companies and getting varying degrees of, yeah, we're interested to no, we're not interested to send us more or call us when you have the money or whatever, all that bullshit. Um, you know, I got an email back from Jeff and he asked for the script. I sent it to him. We set up a meeting like right after AFM and, um, he had actually read the script and it's kind of like at that point that he like sort of unofficially signed on. And then by the end of the year, like we had a contract and he was on, on board. So it was all kind of through connections and through, uh, George, my lawyer, and just, um, for, uh, you know, I guess having a script that he liked, you know, and I, and I know that he doesn't don't normally take on projects at my level. Like, like usually like it needs to be like, you know, something where you have half the budget together or a star attached, just like kind of everyone else, you know, right. but um, I think he just liked me and liked the script and just was willing to give it a chance. And, and bear in mind, like he didn't come on as like, I'm going to produce this movie for sure at that time. Like we had a very kind of complicated contract where it was like, you can use my name as producer on this project and put it on your pitch book and put it on all your materials. Um, yeah. You know, and he like did the te Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, remakes are his big um, claim to fame that he, you know, were very successful. Those were his first movies. And so 
you know, to be able to say like from the executive producer of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre on your materials is like really helpful. And like, yeah. they, they still put that on the posters for his movies to this day, you know? Um, so, so yes, that was sort of the agreement. And then it was like, like, I'll be an executive producer for sure. This is the contract. You can use my name as producer. And then I have the option to produce if I want to, when you raise the money and are ready to shoot. Um, and then basically after working with him for, um, you know, a year and a half, like come like, you know, basically fall, like spring of 2019, like he had like told me like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to produce this movie no matter what, because I just really believe in it and I really want to see it made. So like when I, you know, I think also having him be all in on the project was really helpful and getting it made and, and, and Grant, bear in mind, like without Jeff, like this movie would not exist. Like he is the reason why, like he didn't bring me the investors who invested in the movie, but there were people I already knew who I had either collaborated with or worked with before or just knew me. But the way that they said yes and were willing to write big checks was because Jeff was involved in the project. So not to, I'm just trying to like say like, no, it's not like you get a producer and they just make your movie for you and it just happens. And like, that was one of the first things Jeff said to me at my meeting. He's like, I'm not going to do this for you. You still have to do this, but I'm going to be, you know, a part of the project to help you basically. And so it was still all my connections. It was still all my hustle, still all my hard work that happened. It's just Jeff really made it all come together. And then in the end, like he did utilize some of his connections in order to, um, to make things happen. But again, it, it wasn't like, you know, here, like, I'm going to do all this for you. It was like, let me introduce you to this person and you take it from there. And so it's still up to me to like land the deal, you know, and right. make it happen. But, um, but yeah. And then of course there's so many resources that Jeff had that he brought in and it was like his resources combined my, my, with my resources on the crew side. It's like, that's sort of what made the movie happen together was like combining our forces to like, you know, get this thing, will this thing into existence, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, that's just it, you know, I mean, definitely you want to be able to, you know, get the work, like do the work to show that it can be done, but you just need like those little pushes, you know, just like that, that edge. Right. And I think that's what really, you know, makes it all worthwhile is that, you know, when you're going out securing the funds to be able to make your feature film and then having someone like Jeffrey, you know, who has your back, you know, it's just like one of those things where it's just like, oh, well, I've got so-and-so working, you know, with me. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Well, then you must be legit. You know what I mean? So it's just like those little extra things that, that help you along. along oh, absolutely. And, and yeah. the little things, it's like, like, I think everyone's expectation is that like, you're going to get introduced to the right person and then it's just, it's all going to happen. Right. But I think, just knowing that even if you do get lucky enough to get introduced to the right person and you do make that connection, it's still you. It's always going to be you who needs to do it. You know, like even at the bigger level, it's not like, yeah, it's not like if you have an agent, it's like not the the agent just doesn't do it for you. It's like, no, you have an agent, you work with them, but you are the one who's in control of your own destiny and you use the agents as a, as a kind of a tool or an ally, like a collaborator to help you achieve your dreams. It's not like you get an agent and they just like call you up and like, I'm going to book you on this direct, like this show as a director, I'm going to book you on the show as a writer. It's like, no, like it's, it's not that at all. And like, I've talked to a lot of people about this on podcasts, like hearing real life stories that illustrate that it's not this (laughs) situation, you know? Right. 
Right. And I think I think the biggest mistake that uh, most first time filmmakers, at least first time feature filmmakers have is like, you know, as soon as they get the producer, they can just like sit back, relax and, you know, drink a martini or what have you. It's like, no, nah, man, you just got a foot in the door and you've got many other doors to put your foot in before, you know, before the time of production. Right. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. So what is next? So you've got the you know, so once you get picture locked, you know, you're going to throw it in film festivals or what have you. Is there, geez, man, like this pandemic is really through a wrench and everything because now, now what, you know, studios are doing, you know, they're just releasing their films, you know, for home, you know, like for home video use, right? Right. So your Apple TVs, your Hulus, not Hulus or whatever, but, you know, you can purchase the movie, you can rent it. They're still charging like 20 bucks to do it, which is fine. My personal opinion is that you should just go ahead and sell it. You know what I mean? So whether it's 20 bucks, you know, you get like the behind the scenes stuff, but they're trying to double dip again. But, you know, that's just right. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. So is are, are you talking to Jeffrey in regards to distribution now? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, when this pandemic happened, like we would get emails from kind of all our, uh, you know, (laughs) producers, executive producers, um, you know, all those people just saying like, yeah, uh, (laughs) you know, this, oh, this, this, this thing's happening. Like there's, there's nothing's being made right now. Like you got to sell it to Netflix. You got to sell it to Amazon. You got to sell it to Hulu or, or whatever. Like, Oh, it's it's such a perfect time to to have a film because like you know you're in this unique position that other people aren't in. Um, but then you got to realize that like we're just one of like hundreds of movies that shot last year that are in post production right now. So just because we got it in before the pandemic doesn't mean that we're in any different kind of position than we are before. It's more like the time now where things would be being would be made. It's going to kind of affect the next season. You know, so I was talking to Jeff about this. I was like, yeah, so are we going to be able to like just like go to Netflix and like sell the movie or whatnot? And like he's got another movie in, in um, you know, that's finished that was like in festivals and that he's trying to sell. And since it didn't do the festival uh, run that they wanted it to do, it's really hard for them to get a good deal for the movie. And so it's still like not being sold, like despite the fact that this whole thing's going on. So he has like one that like, you know, he sold pretty quickly and like, they're like really hungry, you know, to, um, to release. But the other one is, is not in that situation at all. So when I asked him that very question, he was just like, yeah, look, all work, it's, it's going to be the same. Like you're going to, you know, we're going to submit to film festivals in the fall. Um, and our sale is going to be dictated on what film festival we get into. So if we get into Sundance or we get into South by Southwest, we're going to get a pretty good deal. If we get, if we don't get into those film festivals, um, we're not going to get as good of a deal. And that's just the reality, you know? Um, and then now I'm hearing like, so like, I think like a month ago, like we probably all thought that like Sundance 2020, like no problem or 2021, excuse me, Sundance 2021, like that's going to be a go right. Like in, in the winter. Um, but now it doesn't necessarily feel that way. It feels like maybe Sundance 2021 is not going to happen. It's going to be a virtual event like these other film festivals have been. So we don't really know, obviously, like who knows what it's going to be like. Um, but yeah, I think we still just have to submit and whatever they end up deciding to do, if they decide to push it, they decide to go anyways, or they decide to make it all virtual, 
like whatever the yeah. situation is like we're just going to be in that same boat with other filmmakers yeah it's you know i was just thinking you know you just want the name you just want the stamp of approval by a sundance and a lack lack of a better way of saying it you know just to be able to sell the film because i think in at this time of course it would be great to go to utah to sit in a movie theater at one of the most prestigious film festivals you know in the country in the world you know and say my film screened there but you know yeah i, I don't know i guess if like at this particular time, just getting that stamp of approval and then being able to sell it so you can make your next film, hopefully. So for the next year, if it goes back to Sundance or what have you, you can still have that, you know, theater experience, you know? Right, exactly. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's it's all about just trying to get what you what, what you can get out of it, basically. And I think from what I've been hearing from other filmmakers is that even though South by Southwest didn't happen in 2020, like getting into Sundance, South by Southwest was still huge and still had the same kind of impact on their film that it would have uh, if it had been a, a real festival. So, you know, like, yeah, of course, like it would suck if I couldn't go to fucking, you know, Utah and see my movie on, on the big screen in that festival, if I got in and it had to be virtual, but I still think like, if I got into Sundance 2021, no matter what the situation is, like it's gonna be a good thing, <laughs> you know. Right. Like, it's gonna be awesome. So, yeah, I think we're just hoping that. I, I mean, I, and I don't even really know. Like, like one of the things that Jeff said to me um, when we were in uh, pre-production and production was, I was like asking him, like, okay, like where, what are we gonna target? Uh, for film festivals and like we know that we want to target south by southwest we know there's a few other um you know things that we want to focus on uh, festival wise but um we weren't really sure about the sundances or the tiffs of the world like the toronto international film festival or sundance like if we felt that the alternate was um kind of an acceptable movie for those um, festivals and so I kind of get the sense that we think it is now, you know, based off of the rough cuts, but um, mm -hmm. that's still kind of a conversation that I want to have with Jeff, um, you know, sort of when it's more polished and see like, yeah, what do you think? Are we actually sending to Sundance? Like, do we think this movie is going to play there? You know, um, mm -hmm. but I, I don't know, like just kind of, I watched a couple movies recently that were Sundance movies and uh, you know, just based off of their tone and, and the genre being like horror sci-fi and just the level of effects and things like, I don't know. I think we could be there. I think we could be Sundance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why not? We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It, it, I guess it's also like part of me is like, I can't knock this feeling of thinking like, yeah, like it's going to be a little bit less competition because of the pandemic. But I just don't think that that's probably not actually true. It's probably going to be the same amount of movies being submitted to Sundance this year as every year. Um, maybe a little less because there are like a bunch that would shoot like in spring, early summer and then rush uh, post-production to be done, you know, in time for Sundance. So we'll probably see a few less submissions than than normal but i think there's still going to be a healthy amount of competition for sure gotcha gotcha so what you got coming up next after this you uh, anything new? good question um 
Well, I've got um, a feature version of my uh, short film brother that's um, being written right now by a writer mm-hmm. friend, Alex Kellerman, also co-host of uh, Making Movies is Hard. Um, so he's working on that. Um, we, we've had that project in development for a long time in a variety of different forms. Like originally it was going to be a web series and then it was going to be a series and then it was back to being a web series again. And so he's basically taking some of the the pitches that we had for the show before in that series form and converting it into like a, a well-rounded feature. So that's one option. Um, I've got two other projects that I've been working on for a while. Um, one uh, I call sisters versus aliens. It's like a Oakland uh, story about um, these two sisters who uh, basically one gets infected with a alien symbiote and, um, kind of like venom but not exactly the same and uh then they they basically the sisters have to figure out how to like well one you know save this one from being the symbiote and then the other one gets kind of like it switches bodies and then you know it's sort of like a like a race to like stop the symbiote from you know destroying like oakland and then also for uh these uh this one sister to save her other sister with the help of this um sort of like alien cop kind of character. So it's a little out there. It's a little sci-fi crazy, but, um, awesome. but it, it's fun. I, I just, to be honest, like I've kind of had a hard time. Um, you know, like one of the reasons why I like the alternate so much is because it's a very personal story and it's got like a really, like a big deep meaning for me, like thematically and personally. Um, right. And so there are personal things within the sisters versus the alien story. It's kind of like based off of, um, my wife and her, her sister, um, you know, and uh, like from stories from their lives kind of, you know, melded into, um, you know, this this other story. But mm-hmm. it doesn't really have like the thematic weight that, um, you know, the alternate did. So it's sort of I've kind of like gotten detached from it recently. And it's sort of been really been hard for me to write while editing the alternate. Like I just find myself needing to be focused on the alternate at the at this point but obviously when the movie goes into finalization and the editing's done and it's just score and um you know color and visual effects like that's going to be a different story uh and then i had a couple other really interesting ideas like one about um you know a uh it's like a reverse ai situation so instead of um you know a mother and a father who can't have a kid having an alien child it's like uh, an orphaned boy or, or girl um, being given a ro- robot family um, and sort of like what goes on from there. <laughs> so <laughs> so that, that's, a, that's an idea I had recently that I really liked and I haven't written, really written much on, but like that's sort of something else that I've been thinking about. And then I had one other idea, but, um, you know, I haven't really, I haven't really d- 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 dug into that yet. Um, so there's, there's things I definitely want to write another movie. Um, I don't know how great of a writer I am. Like, I think there's a lot, lot better writers out there, but um, I, you know, I talked to a lot of uh, directors recently and like some really successful ones. And they were saying that like, you know, one of the challenges for them, um, you know, because they don't write is like finding a writer to write material for them to work on because there's such a demand for writers right now with all the content that's being made and that is like mm-hmm. still being written. And like, you know, even though the pandemic happened, like didn't really stop pre-production, like things are still being written. Things are still being 
um, you know, planned and like being prepped, you know, it's just, we haven't really been shooting anything. Um, so he was saying that if you can, um, write your own thing, you probably should, because that's going to give you a leg up, um, over other thing, other competition. And like, you're not going to be waiting for a story to come to you forever. So, you know, yeah. definitely try to generate your own content. So I, I definitely want to write something, um, you know, especially when the, the alternate is like, you know, in the, in the finishing stages, I want to really dig in and, and, and come up with something, but, um, but yeah, it's hard to say what's going to happen next. I, I just, I really want to make another movie. Like I really want to, you know, be on set um, either as a producer or director. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, I just, I really wanted to make another feature this year. That was sort of like my thought after doing red snow was like that. I had such a blast on that project and it was great working with a director and like helping them realize their vision. And so like any opportunity to do that again, like I was just going to say yes to, you know, and you know, there might be a project that might happen maybe um, that I could be on. So that could be next, but it, I think with this, the current state of things, it's really hard to say like, like what we're going to be able to shoot and what we're not going to be able to shoot. Right. Right. I mean, yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's, I'm glad you, you mentioned writing because that's actually one of the things that I plan on doing once the season of my podcast is done. And I'm, I'm telling you now, and I'm telling the world for the most part, for the first time, like after this is over, uh, I'm going to get back into writing and have a, hopefully have a feature under my belt by, uh, by next year or hopefully before next year or what have you. But yeah, that's like my goal because, you know, the bandwidth of doing a podcast, booking some light editing and then promoting the podcast. Like I've just had to like figure out where my bandwidth is most, you know, like useful. So I'm like, okay, well finish the season and then you can get started to writing. So I'm looking for you to hold me accountable because because I'm a lazy writer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what was your yeah. uh, feature called that you already wrote that you sent me like early this year? Yeah, Vengeance Rising. It's a it's a thriller. Oh, God, I'm horrible at pitches. That's the practice. So I co-wrote that with a buddy of mine up in, in Chico, and we wrote this thing like years ago, back in 2004. So like it took a while, but I dusted it off uh did some rewrites on it uh, i'm actually looking back at it again you know just to whether it's like updating stuff or you know tweaking things here and there or what have you so that's the uh like the supernatural thriller i also have uh, another idea uh that's in my head uh like i did a I did a rough outline for like the beginning uh of this piece but it's uh, based off of a character that I played uh, before that takes place in Mexico. So it's kind of a more drama action-y type thing. So it's more on the drama side because I'd like to touch on uh, sex trafficking, you know, mm. and all that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Like, it's literally as soon as, like, I want to hit 20 episodes of LJ Presents and then you know, take my break and uh, start to write. I'll maybe come back to uh, releasing like a special edition podcast or something like that. If there's something that really strikes my fancy and I want to talk about it, but you know. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, but other than that, that's about it. So, hey man, 
it's time for us to uh, get back here into the post-apocalyptic world. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> how can we get a hold of you? And and yeah, you also have another short called Parka. When are we going to see that? And yeah. how can we get a hold of you online? Right. So Parka, yeah, that was a one that I co-directed with um, Marcella Cortland, who's one of my producers on The Alternate and also one of the producers on Red Snow, too. She was our production manager. Um, so, yeah, she's like a collaborative partner of mine. Um, but uh, but yeah, that is going to be released probably. I think we're just thinking like in the in the winter of 2020. So like in December 2020, we might put that online. Um, we've got a film festival in Anchorage, uh, Alaska, that we've gotten into. And so I think the idea is to play that film festival and then release the movie. But, I mean, Jesus, at this point, like, is is a film festival in 2020 uh, at all going to happen? Like, are we going to be able to go to Alaska in December and watch movies? Like, I don't think so. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, no. I don't know. I mean, I um, I yeah, like. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So. So yeah, we're, we're, I guess I'm not really sure, but I think that's probably still the plan is to release it in December. Um, and then, yeah, you can find my podcast, Making Movies is Hard, at uh, www.makingmoviesishard.com. We're on all the things. We're on YouTube. We're on Spotify. We're on um, iTunes, obviously, um, Google Play, everywhere. Uh, we also just started doing video on the show. So like the next episode that's going to come out at the point that we're recording is going to be a video episode. Um which is like a whole new world for me. Cause like I've done recording on video before. And like when we used to do the podcast in the old days with Timothy, we would be on video just for ourselves, but we never recorded it. Um, and so, yeah, this is like a different level to the podcast, but I'm, I'm excited to see what people think of it and how it works. Um, and then, yeah, the alternate, um, we don't really have a website right now for the alternate, um, which is unfortunate, but uh, you can go to Facebook and find the alternate film on facebook we're all alternate film on twitter um and then also on instagram so you can follow us all there and uh you know we have a teaser trailer that's online right now so you can check that out from the crowdfunding campaign and uh i think facebook is probably where like most of the updates will happen for the alternate so just try to find us on facebook um, and then you also have your website Did you yeah all allworkbrasell.com is my website so yeah the alternate stuff is there I, it really needs to be redone like i i got a I try to do this stupid thing where I combine the narrative and the commercial stuff on the same like sort of portfolio page and it just looks weird. And I also just don't like the way my portfolio page looks right now. So I gotta, I gotta redo my website. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you can check out, you can check out my work at allarkpurcell.com too. <laughs> cool. Cool. Allark, man. Thanks for coming back. Always good to uh, touch base with you, see what's going on. And yeah, man, uh, next time we'll, uh, I don't know, hopefully be at a red carpet-ish event for the alternate. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or or more importantly, on set making uh, our next movie together. I, I really exactly. look forward to directing you again. It is like, we didn't really talk about it much, but you were in the alternate in a really fun role. And you were only there for, I think, two days, maybe three days. But, um, yeah, I think it was three days. Yeah, but it was it was a blast getting to have you in the movie. And, you know, I didn't get to put all the actors that I, that I wanted to in, in the film, you know, just because of not having that many roles and then also just other other reasons. But um, but I'm really glad that I was able to get you in there. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. And, like, your performance is dope. <laughs> awesome. I've, I've been awesome. watching it, like, all the time. Like, I just watched it on my big screen <laughs> yesterday and, like, yeah, it's the movie is really I'm really proud of it. I'm really excited for people to see it. 
Awesome, my man. Well, you know, congratulations on uh, getting the first feature film out the way. You know, it's just the first of many. And yeah, yeah definitely. We'll catch on the flip side, my man. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Take care, man. All right. Now. Thanks for tuning in on another episode of LJ Presents. As always, you can find me on my website at ljeffreymore.com, Twitter at ljeffreymore, and on Instagram at ljeffrey.more. Make sure to check back next week for another great guest. See you then.